0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz
1: Radio. Welcome to this week's Fizz Radio, FizzCast. This time it's a pit preview. I'm Ian Unsworth here alongside John Eads. We're covering everything to do with Syracuse and 25th-ranked Pittsburgh. So, John, let's get into some general game info.
0: Yeah, so Syracuse taking on Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, the Panthers coming off a 55-0 victory over Austin Peay, uh, an FCS team, mind you, but still uh, an impressive opening victory. Uh, their offense looked very good in that game, and uh, you know it's going to be a struggle for this Syracuse defense. Uh, to keep up. So for the second week in a row, they're playing just a very solid, um, top of the pack, you would say, uh, ACC team.
1: Playing at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, rivalry dates back to 1916, been an annual game since 1955. But John Pitt has won six of the last seven meetings, eight in a row at home. And the last time these two teams played, Panthers won 27 to 20 in the dome. And the story of that game was Pitt's defense, nine sacks. Last year brought Tommy DeVito to the ground nine times. Absolutely, and
0: Ian, it could be the same story again this year. They brought a lot of guys back from that defense last year uh, at all three levels of the defense, the D-line, the linebackers, and the secondary. So uh, it could be a recurring theme this year. The odds are certainly stacked against Syracuse once again.
1: Before we fully dive into Pitt, uh, let's just talk about last week a little bit. Syracuse dropping its first game 31-6 to against North Carolina and a lot of holes, especially on the offensive side. Uh, so, John, let's let's sort of pr- s- take a holistic look at this Syracuse offense after one game and then contrast it to what Pitt is bringing on the defensive side. First things first, offensive line. Glaring hole, right? Gave up seven sacks to the Tar Heels. And that's just not going to be acceptable against a Panther defense that has plenty of ways to create pressure. But it's going to be even tougher this week because... Aaron Service limped off the field in uh, Chapel Hill.
0: Pitt arguably has a better defensive line than North Carolina, um, and yeah, like you said, an already depleted Syracuse line could take even more hits um, with a potential service injury, or he, you know, he's not playing at hundred um, percent. And obviously, Chris Elmore, um, not ideal playing guard, but you know, Dino
1: Babers uh, was impressed with his performance. Actually, Dino Babers said Elmore was the best or at least the best performer on that O-line. Center Carlos Vettorello had a pretty shaky game right side of the line. I I would say was so-so. You agree with me there?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Syracuse only ran for, what, 68 yards on 35 carries. That's just not going to get it done. And uh, I'd be surprised if they even get that much on Saturday.
1: So let's take a look at this Pitt D-line. Across the board, plenty of talent, but lost their best, well, potentially best player Jalen Twyman, all ACC defensive tackle in 2019, opting out to prepare for the NFL draft. But still plenty of bodies and plenty of scary faces across that Pitt D-line. First one I want to focus on, Patrick Jones II. He's their top edge rusher, led the team in tackles last week, and last year was second in the ACC in quarterback pressures with 55. Yeah,
0: he's certainly going to be a guy that Pitt's going to look to... uh you know, game plan around, if you will, Uh, use him creatively around the edge and really attack Syracuse in certain points. Uh, He's a pass rush specialist, but uh, he's also an every down defensive lineman.
1: And that's not the only guy they got on there. You want to tell us a little bit about Rashad Weaver? So Rashad Weaver led Pitt in sacks in 2018, also tackles for loss. He had six and a half sacks, 14 tackles for loss. But last year, uh, season was ended early tore his ACL, sidelined for all of 2019, so he's back with a vengeance for his redshirt senior season, and he's been a standout this year.
0: Absolutely, and... Uh, the standouts for Pitt don't end on the D line. I think we should well, we'll transition here to the other levels. That linebacker they got a returning stutter, a guy by the name of Chase Pine who Pat Narduzzi believes can be a a freaking really good NFL linebacker. He said, quote, unquote, and would, you know, we would be remiss not to mention the safety tandem that the Panthers have.
1: Safety tandem Paris Ford who was amazing last week against Austin P. Shot through the line multiple times for tackles for loss, had a pick as well, and Demar Hamlin. Both those guys combined for 181 tackles in 2019. And John, uh, can you break down for me how Pitt uses Paris Ford because he's not just a guy that sits back there in coverage. So many ways, yeah. They like to bring
0: him up on the line and blitz him. We saw that a few times last week against Austin P. They'll have him cover man-to-man. He's kind of like Andre Cisco. He just kind of, you know, the coaches recognize his talent, and they let him flow around the field wherever he likes, but he's such a versatile player, and that's why he had 97 tackles last year and led the team in interceptions as well. And what are we looking for from Hamlin? Hamlin, uh, a great compliment. Uh, You know, he's, he's like... Uh, the Pippin to Jordan back there, if you will. Uh, He does everything else for him. Uh, Another strong tackler. He put up 84 tackles, I believe it was himself. So between those two, a lot of tackles, a lot of plays being made, and they're both capable of doing so many different things, which makes uh, the Panthers defense just so dangerous.
1: And John and I both know how great of a coordinator Pat Narduzzi is. We're both from Michigan, and Pat Narduzzi ran the Michigan State defense under Mark D'Antonio for several years, caused havoc throughout the Big Ten. That's honestly when Michigan State was at their best, if we're being honest, when Narduzzi was the head of that defense. Now at Pittsburgh, and still causing trouble for ACC offenses. Pitt was the third-ranked defense in the ACC last year. So, John Pitt's defense is really the strength of their team, but I'd say so for Syracuse as well. The 3-3-5 look impressive last week. Andre Sisco coming up with the pick. Mikel Jones as well. And plenty of young guys stepping up. Mc- uh, Jones, as I mentioned. Jeff Canton-Arcu. Garrett Williams leading the team in tackles with nine and also a pass breakup in his first career game nevertheless. So how does the Syracuse defense keep it going in week two? Honestly, if they can just play like they did in the first three
0: quarters, now the offense didn't help them out much, but I thought there was consistent pressure uh, getting into the backfield against North Carolina, uh, Kingsley Jonathan, Josh Black, McKinley Williams. The D-line played uh, in, you know, stellar, very well. Um, the secondary did well as two. You mentioned Williams, good coverage. Uh, Cisco had a day. Obviously, we expected that much from him. And then Iffy Melafon who held it down on the other side as well. So I think... Uh, like everyone would thought uh, Syracuse would be led by the defense. Now the question is, can they get their offense going? And that's really, you know, Syracuse and Pitt are kind of similar teams, but Pitt's made moves in the off season. And now they have an offense that can win them some games to complement their really good defense.
1: Yeah. Quarterback Kenny Pickett, 3000 yard passer in 2019. He's on the Davy O'Brien watch list for the best quarterback in all of college football in 2020. He continues to improve last year. Pitt, Pitt really did not use the quarterback in the run game. And this year against Austin P, Kenny, Kenny Pickett's getting all sorts of option plays. You know, zone reads, he's taking the ball outside, shook a couple of linebackers, looked really impressive as a running quarterback.
0: Yeah, that's a new wrinkle they want to work in there. And uh, new OC, Mark Whipple, he's coming back for his second year. They've really made it a point that they want to pass the ball. They had 300 yards passing last week against Austin Peay. Uh, you got to look at that and go like, what? You take a step back. Pitt throwing for three hundred yards—that's something new, uh, you know—because they're they're primed on running the ball, which they can do as well.
1: Yeah, Pitt has two talented backs back there: AJ Davis, the team's leading rusher in 2019, and then freshman Daniel Carter from Miami. I, I honestly I liked what I saw from both of these guys last week. Yeah, honestly, they can go even deeper than
0: that. You mentioned Davis. There's another Davis, uh, Vincent Davis, who's back from last year, and then another freshman, Israel. Oh, I don't want to butcher this name. Uh, Bonaconda, who's actually a New York native, was a Gatorade State Player of the Year as a, as a high schooler last year. Uh, he's getting some carries,
1: and they've also got Jordan Addison on the outside leading the wide receiver group as a freshman. Addison looked very good. He had a couple wide-open catches just splitting through that Austin P defense. Uh, John, actually, I'll, we'll keep going with this, then I'll ask that question. With the receivers, another guy, Shockey Jean-Louis, probably one of the co- coolest names in college football, uh, I could name a couple a couple others off the top of my head. But sticking with Pitt, Shockey Jean-Louis looked really nice last week. Last year, he had 23 receptions for 348 yards, two touchdowns. Also, another guy, DJ Turner, Maryland transfer. Syracuse saw him last year when Maryland put up a 70 ball on the Syracuse defense. Boy, was that a tough one to watch. But DJ Turner fits right in with this Pitt receiving group. Yeah, and he had a couple
0: long receptions last week. So uh, it even goes deeper than that. Ian uh, Taysir Mack uh, was injured for their first game against Austin P, the team's leading uh, returning receiver. He had just over 700 receiving yards last year. Uh, his status is unknown, but Narduzzi's hopeful he could play. But to say the least, uh, Pitt's offense is is very talented this year. And it complements very well with that defense. So uh, a sleeper team, perhaps in the ACC, and Syracuse is going to have their hands full this weekend.
1: Name we didn't even mention yet: Lucas Kroll, transfer from Florida at the tight end spot. Another weapon for this Panther offense. So let's 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 move to the matchup here. What is Syracuse looking to do to shut down this Pitt offense? What? Okay. So what area are you focusing on first? If you're Tony White, are we shutting down the run and making them one-dimensional through the air? Or are we really focusing on blanketing these receivers and making Pitt put it on the ground?
0: Well, it's a really difficult task, especially considering Pitt returns four offensive line starters. So I think the game plan last week was trying to shut down that North Carolina passing game. And I think they did well with that. The problem was Tar also have a pretty prolific running game. Uh, you know, the Michael Carter, Jamonte Williams, uh, I digress, though. I think they're going to try as best they can to shut down that passing game. Uh, It's a passing-led offense, so I think if you can make them stick to their roots again and go back to that running game, I think that'll favor the Orange. And so I think they're going to continue to blitz and continue to bring the pressure and see if they can get home on some of those.
1: Could be real difficult, though. Uh, I mean, I liked what I saw out of Kingsley, Jonathan McKinley-Williams, Josh Black, and the like. But it's just really difficult to force pressure, especially with only three down linemen and you know four returning starters on that pit-o line. I, don't, I, I just don't know. It it seems like every single game Syracuse is going to have to blitz to bring pressure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know even then that may not do it. Uh, they're just so young and inexperienced, especially the linebacker position, which is just crucial, especially when you're blitzing, because they either got to cover behind. A blitz, or they're coming into blitz themselves, and they got to contain their gaps. So uh, it's certainly something that White's uh, scratched his head with the entire week, and I'm excited to see what he can come up with.
1: Well, if Tony White can hold this Syracuse, excuse me, hold this pit offense to less than fifty-five points, it seems like Syracuse will be doing a decent job. Uh, John, let's talk about Syracuse. I guess from a holistic perspective, this is only week two. Next week, of course, the home opener against Georgia Tech, also a noon kickoff. If Syracuse loses this game, going down to 0-2, but against two very good teams nonetheless, uh, what does this mean for the rest of their season? Um,
0: I'm not sure it means a whole lot. Obviously, you don't want to start in an 0-2 hole, but as Dino's been saying repeatedly, we're still learning about our team. We're still still learning who the guys are going to be, and it certainly didn't help that we had opt-outs, you know, Days before the season opener, uh, so I think everyone's just kind of you know working on the fly here. Um, but I've been impressed so far with what I've seen, at least from the defense, especially with a new coordinator. Um, so I think the defense, Ian, will keep them in every game this year. The question is, can the offense do just enough to you know put up some points and go along with them?
1: And in the case of the offense, we've had a couple articles written on our site this week, OrangeFiz.net, also. Check us out at OrangeFizz on Twitter. That's at OrangeFizz. No caps, no spaces. John, how does the offense get right? We've seen opinions from our colleague Brad Klein about the run game. I wrote an article about the passing game. Uh, Where where does it start for Syracuse? Does it start from Sterling Gilbert, the offensive coordinator? Tommy DeVito making smarter decisions when he drops back to pass. Tosh Harris has to... Okay, I'm just naming things off that could go well. I mean, Tosh Harris has to catch the ball, etc., 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 What's that one turning point for the Syracuse offense that really gets it going?
0: When you have the opportunities to make plays, you got to make them. We can't be dropping deep balls. We can't be dropping touchdowns. It's going to be a struggle. There's, no, there's not one thing I can point to right now. Um, the run game just is, is a non-factor right now. It's been Tommy DeVito scrambling. Uh, but the things I continue to come back to when I watch the film from the last game is when you have the opportunities to make plays, you got to make
1: them. Can't F. Sherrod Johnson dropping a wide-open ball in the end zone. Can't have a blindside block or whatever the heck that was on Drew Tuizama, getting a touchdown, uh, a punt return for a touchdown called back. Uh, I think that was, I had that didn't see Syracuse return a punt for a touchdown last year, so that was my, the first ever time I've seen Syracuse do something extremely positive on special teams. I was very surprised. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame that that flag was thrown. But yeah, Syracuse just needs to get it together. I think on all levels. It starts with the line, and it's it's really tough when you know you don't have Chris Blake, which I'm I still continue to be astounded at the NCAA's ludicrous ruling every single week. But we don't have Chris Blake. Just gonna have to get over it. And it seems like every week the O line's missing a piece, moving a part around. It's got it's got to start there for Syracuse. It has to start with protection up front because if Devito's a you know, scared chicken running around in the back in the backfield all game. If Jawar Jordan and Marquense Pierre can't get a hole, it's it's just non-existent. If you're Sterling Gilbert and Dino Babers, you got to stop thinking about what you don't have
0: anymore. You can't keep thinking about the opt-outs. Who's playing here? Who's playing there? This is what you got. Line up your 11 guys. Find a way to be successful. If you can't run the ball, go empty sets every time. Use Jawar Jordan in the passing game. Run some screens. You know you gotta find something that'll work. You can't just beat a dead horse uh, and continue to run the ball when you know it's not gonna work. You gotta take advantage uh, of good field position when you get it from the defense, and really you just gotta help them out. I mean we got outscored twenty-one nothing in the fourth quarter last game. That's just because the defense was on the field again, again, and again because we had three and out after three and out after three and out. So you gotta put first downs together. You gotta put drives together, and you gotta find things that'll work.
1: Yeah, five of those three and outs in the second half against UNC. And I agree with your assessment of the the passing game. Certainly short passes, quick passes, screens. Get the ball outside. Don't make the offensive lineman work as hard. Also, Aaron Hackett and Luke Benson, they were non-existent last Saturday, right? And these are guys that are supposed to be the new wrinkles of the Sterling Gilbert offense, right? And both of them only got one target. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Hackett's senior leader, right? Right. A guy that's supposed to ha- had a breakout campaign last year and supposed to be a consistent target for Tommy DeVito. And it, he never looked his way. I don't know if that's on DeVito. I don't know if that's on Sterling Gilbert. But it comes from Gilbert making those play calls to help DeVito change his mindset, right? And get Luke Benson in the game. He, he's not just a pass protector, right. right? It's great to have these guys in on the line because they the line needs help, surely. But get these guys in the game. Get them involved in the pass you know, in the pass game and use them in the end zone, right? Tight ends are great red zone threats because Hackett presents all sorts of matchup problems. So those are the guys to go to, not Sherrod Johnson, who no disrespect to him, but has only caught two passes in his collegiate career, the one against UNC for negative yardage. That's right.
0: Yeah. And in their defense, it is tough to get the tight ends involved in the play action game and the downfield passing game when you don't have a run game because tight ends are typically a linebacker's responsibility in coverage. So, um, if Syracuse can't run the ball, they're just going to continue to drop back in coverage and play soft, and it's really tough to get open as a tight end when that's the case. But uh, in addition to that, in the red zone, you know, you got you're at the ten yard line, nine yard line. I don't really care. Don't don't line up and run a draw. Don't run a run up the middle. It's not going to work. You know, find something. Uh, you know, a throwback screen to the tight end, an underneath route to the tight end. Uh, you know, a, a pick route. Find something for them, find a formation for them, a play for them that, you know, at least gives us a better chance of scoring a touchdown and picking up some yardage than, than a halfback draw.
1: Yeah, certainly. Ian Unsworth and John Eads here on this week's FizzCast Pit Preview. Uh, John, I think we're going to take a little break. We've both been wailing on the Syracuse offense for a little while now. When John and I come back, we're competing with Vegas. We're going to talk the odds, the lines, and the props for Syracuse and Pitt. Back here on the FizzCast pit preview Ian Unsworth and John Eads here with you so John let's talk the odds so the spread for pitt and Syracuse is pit favored by 21 and a half uh, it was 22 and a half a couple days ago but it's just dropped down a point uh, some predicted scores 37 to 7, 17 pit on odd shark uh, so what are, what are we thinking about this spread it's a, it's another large one. Uh, North Carolina just barely covered last Saturday. Uh, I I thought Syracuse was gonna hit that hit that spread, but you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. So what what are we thinking about Pitt uh 21 and a half?
0: I don't know. I think it's a little inflated,
1: but when
0: we started talking about Pitt, it just seems like there's no weaknesses for them on offense or defense. Um, so really it comes down to do you think they're better than North Carolina? On paper and I think they are so you know after, after talking about this a little bit I think it's just a little bit too big I think maybe 18 18 and a half 19 that range would be a little bit uh, a little bit better but um, it's certainly one that uh, will challenge some betters for sure uh,
1: I I might take Syracuse to cover as well I honestly don't think pit Pitt's offense at, is as explosive as North Carolina's is and I mean, at the end of the day, who was scoring all the touchdowns? It was Javante Williams, and I don't think Pitt has a back of uh, the level of Michael Carter or Javante Williams, and those guys really made a difference in late game. Also, if Syracuse can hold on to the ball in the second half, you know, there's just not as many opportunities for the Panthers. So I'm taking Syracuse to cover that 21 and a half point spread as well. Uh, the over/under is 50 and a half. That's as as of Wednesday. Might change, but what, what are we thinking about this point total? I
0: think it's, it's difficult um, because I could see both teams having it be a defensive struggle, but they both kind of are able to put together a couple drives and run the clock a little bit, you know. Um, uh, I'm going to take the over just barely, though. You know, I could see this game being uh, kind of a, you know, maybe a, a 30, 27 kind of deal, you know, something around there. Um, but it certainly could go either way.
1: This is a really tough over because I don't know if Pitt's going to score 30 points. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know if Pitt will score 30 points, but I don't think Syracuse is even going to get into the 20s if we're being completely honest. So I'm going to take the under. A very cautious under, but I'm going to take the under just because there's no way the Syracuse offense can be as bad as it was last week, right? But... They're playing an amazing defense, so the improvements that Syracuse made over this past week will be negated by you know the just excellence of the Pitt D line and you know rest and back seven. And for and for Pitt, and
0: they now have a game where they can look at it, Syracuse's defense and scout them. You know, North Carolina didn't have that because we had a new coordinator, a new system. So maybe they find some holes and some things that they can expose Syracuse on this week after having a week to look at game film you know, and make adjustments for a game plan.
1: That's, that's a really good point, John, but I'm, I'm sticking with my gut here. I'm taking the under. Okay. Uh, so a lot of websites also like Syracuse to cover, but maybe lose 30 to 10, something like that. Uh, that's just another another note we have in here. So let's let's move to some props. We didn't really go looking for any, but we made up a couple of our own. Uh, so, John, I think this is your, your first prop. Taj Harris, over under 100 receiving yards. Give me your answer, please. Hmm. Ooh, this is a tough one. I, I really want to say over just because I'd like to see Harris have a, have a big week, especially since he got targeted 15 times. I'm not sure if that's going to change at all. And you know what? Why not? I'm sticking with it. Taj Harris is going to get over 100 receiving yards this week. Pitt gave up a couple deep passes last week to Austin P. You know, that you shouldn't be doing that. Austin P. is not... An amazing offense by any means. So if Tosh Harris can get open deep down the field, you know, why not? Tommy DeVito threw a couple nice deep balls that just weren't completed. So this week, you know, work out the kinks. I, th- I think Harris hits on this one. Okay, I think Pitt's going to game plan to shut him down with the with the safeties
0: helping an overhang, but that's going to allow other guys to step up. So I think Anthony Quealy is going to be the downfield uh, threat for Syracuse. He got open a few times last game, but DeVito couldn't make the throws. So... Um, I don't think he's going to hit 100, and I think that's a good thing because that means Syracuse will be spreading the ball around to uh, you know a plethora of guys.
1: I, I, that certainly isn't a bad thing to get more guys involved in the passing game, but second prop we have here, moving to the run game. Is Syracuse going to record 50 rushing yards? Yes or no? It's not sack adjusted. Um,
0: I think they will. I think DeVito is going to get a bulk of that yardage. I think his scrambling ability... Is going to be a huge factor once again this week and potentially a chain mover. Um, But I also think you know last game it wasn't all that bad. Syracuse had some holes and Jawar Jordan and Markenzie Pierre got through them, but they just didn't make smart decisions getting into the second level. So I think there will be a couple uh, solid runs next week as well. So I think we'll hit the over on that.
1: Yeah, if anybody can find this the a bet on an actual this bet on an actual site, dude, hammer the over like fifty rushing yards. Some running backs can get that in the first quarter. And that's literally, you know, one or two big runs. There you have it. This should be an easy one to cover because let's just look at it holistically, right? If a running back gets stopped, you know, maybe he's losing one yard, two yards, right? But a big play, eight to ten. All you need is four or five of those. But you got to think about the other
0: side. Because if DeVito gets sacked for a 13-yard loss, that's
1: the Yeah, but like... mm, I don't know. I just think there's it. No matter how sack adjusted this is, there there's no way that one big play can't just break this open for you. So I you have to take the over. Again, Austin
0: P only one rushing yard last week, so something to think about going forward. But the, yeah, this is certainly a tough one. We're both
1: taking the over though, so we're cautiously optimistic. All right, third one. This is my first prop. Tommy DeVito over under two hundred and seventy five passing yards. This is this is my. This is a a bold one. We already have Tosh Harris. I picked the over for him to record 100 receiving yards, but can DeVito spread the ball around enough to get above 134, which he recorded last weekend, up into the high 200s? I don't think he does. You know, he's going to have to if Syracuse
0: wants to win this ball game, potentially. Uh, I don't think he does. I think Pitt's secondary is much more talented than North Carolina's, and uh, I think it's going to be a struggle for him once again to even, you know, maybe cash in on some big plays because he's going to be, you know, he's going to have pressure in his face basically every down. So I'm taking the under here.
1: Uh man. I mean, I'm so confident that Taj Harris is going to reel in a big play or two. But, yeah, at the same time, I can't see DeVito really throwing to anybody else. I think the trend continues from last week. I'm not sure how many adjustments Dino Babers and company can actually make with, you know, such a, a rotating cast of characters on the offensive line. So, yeah, I think Harris will get 100, but other than him, nobody's going to really have much success in the receiving core. And, yeah, DeVito, I'd say maybe he goes for 210, 215, I can see that. but I don't think he gets up into the high 200. So I'm taking the under there. Last prop, uh, this is my second. Syracuse over under two turnovers. Forced or two hitting. turnovers, forced. Oh, okay. Um,
0: hmm. I'll take the over. Because I think Tony White's going to do a good job of turning Pitt into a one-dimensional team, and I think Pitt's going to pass the ball a little bit more than they'd like to. Uh, I believe Pickett threw an interception last week, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think uh, Cisco gets another pick this week, and yeah, I'll
1: take the over on that. Hmm. I'm going to go with a push. Okay. All right? Because Syracuse is averaging two turnovers forced a game, right? And... I don't think Pitt's aggressive enough to really take a ton of chances and give Syracuse the opportunity to snag the ball left and right. But at the same time, Pitt's, Pitt's going to want to air the ball out, right? They're going to want to run up the points early, get Kenny Pickett out of there, let him take some rests, right? So the Panthers will take some chances. I'm, I'm betting on that, and I don't think Syracuse forces any fumbles, but there will be a couple picks. Secondary's too good, too many heady DBs on the field for the Orange, to not at least snag one pass out of the air. That's exactly right. And from
0: my point of view, I think Pitt's going to want to pass the ball and take more chances than they usually would like to because I think Syracuse will shut down the run game. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think Pickett uh, throws a couple ill-advised passes, and maybe Garrett Williams gets his first career interception.
1: Who knows? We'll have more score predictions and stuff like that if you want, I guess, our insight on what we're looking for from the game in written form on our website, OrangeFizz.net. You can also find those articles on Twitter at OrangeFizz. For John Eads, I'm Ian Unsworth, signing off from this week's Fizzcast, the Pit Preview Edition. Have a good weekend and enjoy the game.